everyone to this episode of the Women in Technology Spotlight. Today I have with me Buraola. She is a data scientist and a researcher at the Imperial College in London. She's also a LinkedIn learning instructor where she talks about data science and data intelligence. And she has a YouTube channel where she talks about data science in Yoruba, which I find especially cool. Welcome. Hi, uh, Iron Head. Great uh, to have you here on this uh, this podcast episode. And I'd uh, just like to kick it off with a little bit about yourself. Tell us who you are and what you enjoy doing. Okay, uh, my name is Wuraola Oyewusi. Um, I'm the last in the family of five. So I have four siblings and uh, I'm from Nigeria. I'm particularly from Ogumosho um, in Oyo State, Nigeria. Uh, I currently live in London. I moved uh, more than a year ago. Uh, I moved on the uh, on the global talent visa. Uh, my hobbies: I like great conversations, so uh, I have uh, quite a number of friends, and then uh, we talk. And then sometimes I sing off key and dance <laughs> off key. <laughs> yeah, uh, sometimes I do that. Uh, what else do I like? Uh, I'm probably that friend. Uh, I speak Yoruba like often. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I speak Yoruba also that um, would definitely talk more about my work, uh, but um, maybe for the purpose of this, I began my career as a, as a clinical pharmacist. So uh, I didn't start my career in tech. Mm -hmm. So uh, that may be something interesting we talk about later. It is absolutely interesting to me because I've, I've uh, seen a very interesting trend when talking to women on this podcast. A lot of women are career switchers. So it's not just you. So a lot of women started out doing something else and then they switched into tech. And um, I recently talked to another young Nigerian woman. She also started out in the healthcare sector and then transitioned into data science, which is um, an interesting trend. And also uh, brings me to what you do um, at, at work. You are a data scientist and a researcher. So tell us a little bit about that. Okay, uh, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a data scientist on a research team. Uh, our current work is focused on using different uh, natural language processing technique. Uh, natural language processing is a, is a sub-team of uh, artificial intelligence that deals with unstructured data. And uh, unstructured data includes text. It includes uh, speech and mm -hmm. things like that. But my work is majorly focused on uh, text. So the interesting thing about that is that um, if you're transitioning career and you wonder how it all converges, uh, I work with clinical related data. So, uh, so this time around, it's not just uh, a data scientist. It's mm -hmm. a pharmacist that actually understand that data. Okay. So, yeah, I just thought that I should bring that in. So, um, yeah, so we, you know, we we are, uh, our work involves uh, applying different techniques, uh, summarization, um, some anyhow. Okay, mm -hmm. I, I'm not supposed to use a lot of acronyms, but uh, maybe some uh, named entity recognition. There's this huge body of uh, scientific publication and we are trying to make sense of it. I think uh, that's like an overview of what mm -hmm. I do. That sounds really interesting. And then I love that you can uh, bring in the expertise you you got, um, gained as a pharmaceutical, uh, in the pharmaceutical field into the work you're doing now. 
So this is um, also something um, that's very important that we have people who have different um, areas of knowledge and they come into tech and, and kind of augment the, te the tech field. Because I feel that um, tech is very interesting. I've always loved tech, but we need more people who have a broader view to make it you know, work for, for society. So, um, and you said you work with natural, uh, with natural language processing, and that's so interesting also because currently there is a big hype around this topic, obviously, with, with chat GPT and all these things. Um, it has become something that more people are familiar with, I think. How, do you have any thoughts on, on, on this uh, development? No, well, um, chat GPT is only, um, is, only, uh, is only one out of the series of um, many uh, large language models uh, mm -hmm. that are based on the, the transformer algorithm. Uh, you know, this type of uh, discussion is, is not new, you know, if this is what you do, but I understand the frenzy now that this mm -hmm. seem open to quite the, uh, a number of people, but I'm going to say it's not magic. Uh, the simplest way to explain that and how it works, there's a large body of text. Uh, mm -hmm. ChatGPT was trained on a lot of internet text. And then um, the, the core of data science AI, uh, which I find interesting is that um, there's data and then um, these algorithms have the capacity to learn pattern in this data. So it's mm -hmm. not magic. You, I understand that sometimes it sounds so confident, but you know you don't want to just take everything look like and sink. But it's amazing that people can uh, experience some of these things. But as a professional, I'm going to say it's not magic. It's mm -hmm. it, it's. Uh... And thank you for saying that. I think that's so important for people to understand that this because a lot of people who are not uh, familiar with with the technology, um, for them it seems uh, magical that this system will you know give answers and text that sounds very much like a human being. But if you understand. Uh, what is behind it and that is something I, I want to talk a bit about you know why it is important to have a basic technical understanding and how things work in this modern world so maybe you you have some thoughts on on why you think that especially younger people who are growing into this world that is fully digital um and where everything is somehow related to tech should spend some time understanding what is behind these technologies Oh, well, uh, as with every other type of evolving technology, it's already in your lives. Uh, you know, uh, there's artificial intelligence and how things are recommended to you. If you're probably watching this video, the algorithm will probably bring uh, similar talk shows to you. Uh, if there's an advert, it will probably try to bring similar adverts to you. Uh, if you're using translators on your phone, that's AI. It's already, it's not uh, magical. It's already in your life. I, I try to emphasize on that a lot so that uh, people don't think that this is dystopian. And like yeah. I said, a machine is not like as smart as people, you mm -hmm. know, quite, you know. By yes, own, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think not. we need to demystify, you know, the whole thing. I think exactly. this is what it's about. Uh, it's so, um, yeah, please go ahead. No, it's okay. I yeah. think we're there. So what I would like to know is how did uh, you transition? How did you make that transition? And why did you make that transition from the pharmaceutical field into data science? What, what interested you about the whole topic? Okay, uh, I think the open line that, that I say every time I, I get asked this question a lot is that uh, I got into all this by chance. 
uh, I wrote my first line of code at 26. <laughs> so um, how I was, you know, how I was raised, you know, we were encouraged to try things, but I didn't just think tech was my thing. In mm -hmm. fact, um, how I got into tech and I started considering this during my uh, service here, we have those NYS in Nigeria, or generally I used to read a lot of job postings. I just used to read, you know, I just be on websites looking at uh, the skills out there. And then I saw something about data analysts and I read everything that that person was supposed to do. And I said, no, I, I do this. I do mm -hmm. this as a pharmacist, like uh, as a pharmacist, I've been forecasting. I've been, uh, you know, we, you know, you've been predicting like, oh, the weather is changing. We were changing our practices. Uh, I've been looking at data for insights. It has different names, but I said, I can do this, except uh, I think one of the requirements in that particular job posting for a data analyst was SQL. And then I decided to Google what the SQL was, or some people call it SQL. And then I said, oh, there's data somewhere, and this is how they get it out. I, I said, I think it makes sense. If you have mm -hmm. data somewhere, you want to get it out. And then I wrote for, um, uh, for a SQL course online. It was free. Um, why don't I remember the website? They deserve a shout out because <laughs> I just, <laughs> and then I was, I was learning about uh, select and then I thought this was really cool. And as I was uh, learning about it, I think an advert came up about Python and data science. Mm -hmm. And then I decided to look at it. And then I said, oh, this is cool. Like, mm -hmm. oh, there's data. People are finding patterns. Uh, this data is big. There are these algorithms that can learn uh, from uh, representative data. And then you can transfer the prediction on new ones. So I was hooked. And then I bought my first specialization. And I just, uh, Mm -hmm. I did that thing that people do when they are switching careers where you're just there 14 hours because I was starting from scratch. I was learning how to code. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So that yeah. was how I transitioned careers. Uh, I was still a pharmacist. So I, I, I'll see my patient and then I'll just code in my spare time. You mm -hmm. know, the internet is wonderful. Yes, <laughs> it, is, it, is. it is. Fascinating is. thing. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Absolutely. And I also find it interesting that um, your your contact with with data science was that you just randomly read some job posts. It was because, um, uh, like I said, um, at home my parents are not exactly like uh, maybe many people's experiences. You are allowed to try things that you like. So I wasn't actively kept away from technology or something. You know, I had a laptop. Mm -hmm. uh, my my brother was studying was studying computer, but I was in healthcare, so it didn't feel like a lot of our conversation would be about those things. So yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think what happened was something that a lot of people don't realize. All the 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 fields in our life are somehow related to data nowadays. So everything you do, it doesn't matter really what field you're in. There is data. And everywhere we use data to create predictions, to create understanding of our customers, to create understanding of our products. So, and most people don't see that part of, of, of our life because it's a bit hidden behind the, the surface. But when you look closer and you have an interest in, in understanding how your field works, then you will understand, yeah, there's data and I can do all these interesting things with it. And that is, I think, what you found when you um, moved into that field. 
you're right about that. And then um, when I, I taught one of the topics, uh, I teach um, general topics in Yoruba language because uh, mm -hmm. I just happen to speak quite well. Not mm -hmm. quite well, I speak Yoruba like well, but uh, historically decisions have been made based on data. Uh, mm -hmm. from from the previous abalis. Uh, for example, in one of my videos, I gave an example of uh, how families decide that this is an allergy. Maybe in Yoruba culture, they will say it's a war, like this family, they don't eat this. Many of those decisions are based on data. Uh, maybe someone on the family line has had an allergic reaction to a particular meal, and they've just studied the pattern. Like, um, we think everybody born in this line. Mm -hmm. Of course, they mystify it, but many of those decisions is actually data like your great grandfather ate this type of yam and he died we mm -hmm. don't think you should eat it it's yes. really data it's them finding patterns about that particular family and things like that that so, is uh, such an interesting point of view and i'm sorry for interrupting okay. but what i'm thinking about is you know traditional uh chinese uh cooking and and medicine also works like that it's basic you know there's always this this aspect of mystical and then you know it's traditional and there's all this you know this this mystification but what it is is data from from history people saw that this happened when somebody did something ate some food took some herbs and and they remembered this and that's what they're using to create a, a medicine or or a type of eating so and that's the same thing in Yoruba culture. Of course, you saw your ancestors did not uh, it, eat, ate something and they didn't digest it well. So you will stay away from it, right? I mean, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Another interesting example of that that we did in pharmacy school is um, pharmacognosy. And then, you know, you read about culturally that certain plants are only harvested early in the morning and yes. not in the afternoon or evening. It's just the timing of... Uh, production of certain chemicals and then uh, the abelis says something like if you don't go in the morning if you have it in the afternoon then it doesn't work the mm -hmm. reason it's not working is just because some elements are you know they're probably being broken down by the sunlight you yeah. know so uh oh, wow. so this so is such are. an interesting topic because you know what a, a, a tradition, a classic medicine would say if you tell them, okay, this herb has to be harvested at this time of the day or this time of the moon. They say, oh, it's superstition and people are so superstitious because they don't understand. But it's true, actually, because as you said, it's based on data and experience. Yeah, yeah. So, some are true. Some of them are just, uh, some are unfounded, but sometimes it's truly there. Yeah. Some, of course, are superstition, but I think what we uh, should do is we should look closely at, you know, these traditions that people and cultures bring and then um, find out what is actually really important. What is superstition instead of just discarding everything people say because it's, oh, you know, it's this, this uncultured people, they have no idea. And science and medicine is so much more sophisticated and we know everything, you know. That's what I'm, I'm trying to say because I think there's a lot of knowledge being lost because we don't listen to people, you know. Oh, we don't listen and uh, maybe uh, a bit of culture of documentation, you know, reproducibility is a big deal you know you know rather yes. than our you know that's where uh, mystification loses its charm and its history if it's mystified people don't yeah. know why they do this and then it just dies with people i think that's that's also an interesting point or a good point that you're making because you know there is one thing is the tradition and the knowledge that is there about certain things and then what happens is that 
people forget why they are doing something, you know, and then it becomes like just a rule that is based in mystery or spiritualism or whatever. And at some point, it doesn't even make any sense. Like, for example, that pork is haram in, in Muslim culture. There's a good scientific reason why they didn't eat pork in certain places in the world. But um, these reasons are no longer valid, but it doesn't matter because it has become a rule. You know what I mean? And the same thing is with some kinds of, you know, you have to do it this way or it won't work. Sometimes there is a basis to it. Sometimes there isn't anymore. So, yeah. But I still feel we should look more closely, especially at this traditional herbal knowledge that other cultures bring to the table. Yeah. This was an interesting segue into into herbs and, and superstition and, and, you know, medicine. And, but um, coming back to what you do now, um, I love that you um, teach basics in Yoruba. Tell me why you're doing this. Well, um, I could find a big reason for doing it, mm -hmm. but uh, it's just because I can. <laughs> so I could uh you know there are those big uh seemingly big reasons but uh mm -hmm. it's just the convergence of some of the things I'm great at they are just yeah. uh, simple conversations of uh, uh let me teach you about this from this perspective mm -hmm. uh, I make a case that uh, people assume maybe because certain people don't speak English that they are not curious about uh, technology that's a lie some of the most curious people don't even speak English and uh, so, uh, I, you know, uh, uh, the classes of people that, that watch what I teach uh, are people who just enjoy the conversation. They speak English, but they understand, they want to hear this in Yoruba. There are those who probably don't speak English and then they're learning about all these tools because technology is in your life. Mm -hmm. uh, there are people who are trying to learn the language, they understand a bit of tech, and then it's just an opportunity to hear some of this perspective in Yoruba. Mm -hmm. uh, there are people who are trying to um, uh, let their kids understand that. So there are the curious, there are those who are doing it for entertainment. Uh, mm -hmm. But to be sincere, it's just, uh, I speak Yoruba well, I'm great at tech, so why not? Yeah. Of course, why not? But um, what I hear is that you are trying to make this world accessible to everyone. Exactly. Even so there is, that's the, for me, that's the underlying motivation that I'm looking for, you know? And, and I love that you do that because I absolutely feel that everyone should have access to technology, especially because it has become so important in our world. And I also like, of course, I mean, it's a great opportunity to, to, um, learn the language and and you know also you know help children maybe especially for example for children of, of you know Nigerians who have migrated to other countries where they're not inside that Yoruba culture anymore to learn more of the language and things like that so yeah because uh, uh, YouTube data says uh, people are watching from about 10 countries uh, some of the longest watch time at definitely outside Nigeria uh, of course I'm looking at the mm -hmm. age group who are the people watching the most, uh, you know, from all over the world, but people across all age ranges. And then uh, people's parents, some people have a quiet, like I said, uh, not understanding English or technology does not mean people are not curious. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, people are curious. They want to know about the tools that affect their life. 
they want to know, you know, for example, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've made several videos, I've thought about 20, I've made about 20 videos, maybe just five, I've thought cybersecurity, and, you know, even when when I was home with my mom, you know, she said, oh, uh, you know, maybe some of uh, the random calls, and then she remembered that, you know, uh, I had mentioned in the video that, did you, were you part of a lottery? Did you call your bank? Why is someone calling you back? So it was pretty nice. And then it's uh, unifying to Yoruba people from all over the world. You know, sometimes people just say hi, and I'm like, oh, cool. You know, the <laughs> Republic, people from Nigeria, you know, just saying hi. And yeah. because um, I don't like uh, when people mystify things, I do mm -hmm. think that, you know, there's accessibility. And then don't just, um, I understand that some things are technical indeed but it shouldn't be mystified, especially because yeah. it's in people's life. You know, whether you like it or not, if you're not on Twitter, you know, there's recommender systems at work on your Facebook. You Everybody. just have to know how that works. Absolutely. I mean, as I said, technology is everywhere and, and there's, there is no part of our lives anymore that is not touched in certain ways by data and tech and, and um, and it will only become more, not less. So it's important for okay. everyone to understand. Yeah. So uh, coming back to you, you um, studied a pharmacy and then you switched into, because you found it interesting, you switched into data science, but then you tell me you got, um, as, um, sorry, what's it called? Um, a grant to go to uh, London, right? I moved to the to London on the global talent visa. It's it's a visa, oh. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a visa class. It's you know most people. Mm -hmm. It is just it's like a work visa that you don't require an employer kind of a thing. Ah, oh, so. I see. Okay, but that's also cool because to get that visa, I know it's not easy. Um, so obviously you are very good at what you do. And tell me, what was it like going to London from Nigeria and starting out this career? Because I mean, you are now a teacher, researcher, you're working at a college in the UK. What, what's it like? So, uh, it's, um, I'll say it's part of adulting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's part of adulting. It's, um, it's nice that, uh, I'm, um, I'm grateful you know, I mean, such a big fascination of what the internet can do, mm -hmm. because uh, some of the most fascinating thing about uh, transitioning career is the access, is the access. I was, uh, when I newly transitioned careers, I was in awe of all the things that were just online. In fact, that was one of the reasons I started writing. I felt like uh, I've benefited so much from the internet. And if I have new perspective, if I'm learning a technique, and um, if I'm learning a technique and I understand this, that I just think I should share whether anybody mm -hmm. reads or not. So it's part of the reason I started writing. I, it, was, uh, it was amazing. Uh, coming from healthcare, uh, access to tools and knowledge were not this open. I understand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, they were not this open. If, uh, if I'm buying my... Um, uh my drug details i have to buy that the textbooks yeah. this is the new dosage this is the new year it's not like that in tech so mm -hmm. the, the the culture of openness is inherently um beneficial you can innovate more i i i literally transitioned careers myself by learning online yeah. uh it's not um 
it wasn't in few courses, it was intense. I always try to say that truth. I was, uh, it was a bit weird because I was studying, because I was learning everything from scratch. I was learning how to program. I was learning a bit of math, not a bit, some linear algebra for machine learning, but the resources, they were just there online, of course. And then uh, I was working, I, I was a pharmacist, so I could afford the courses that I needed. You know, it's I don't I don't have like black tax kind of a thing, so I could afford those things. But the most amazing thing is, uh, they they were all online. And for yeah. example, see uh, Chat GPT coming out. It's accessible in most places in the world. So th that access, you know, it's amazing. It's the real it's the real life changing thing. Yeah, and and I think that's one of the things that makes tech so intriguing that you can. It's a new world, but you can access it from every corner of the world and everyone talks to everyone and knowledge is shared and information is shared. So yeah, obviously for some courses, you will need some resources in terms of money, but the internet is an, um, it's such a vast resource of, of information. It's, it's unbelievable. And this is something I think that's especially important for young people in, in Africa to understand that they have access as long as they have internet and a phone, they have access to such a wealth of information and they have the possibility to transform, you know, their careers and their lives. You're right about that. I try not to deny some of the difficult realities of uh, sometimes you want to learn these things, there's no life. Uh, mm -hmm. I had the privilege I had, uh, you know, um, mm -hmm. I could pay for those things. I could, I had a laptop. I could pay for, you know, maybe generator to do light. I, like I said, I, mm -hmm. I was already a pharmacist. I was leading a small pharmacy team by the time I transitioned career. So I wasn't, um, and then, yeah. uh, it's, you know, it's, I don't have a pressure to pay bills at all. So I always try to, despite the fact that I understand that I can tell people to just go online, you know, do this. I understand that it may be a bit difficult for other people, mm -hmm. but uh, for what it's worth, it's life-changing. Yeah. It's life -changing. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. You're right. Of course, the, the amount of work it takes to, to get to the place you are is it, and the amount of resources are, are different. But um, I think because I also grew up in Nigeria uh, for some time and, and I always go back to visit my father, I mean, it's a, it's a place where you have to work hard all the time anyway. So anyway yeah the internet just gives you a chance to to take that work and and transform it into something that can change your life yeah the, the amazing thing about the internet for example when i made the videos and people were watching everywhere for example you and i we've never met in person and we get to do this together you know i've met several people online you know people who have uh, supported my work you know, mm -hmm. people who we've become friends, you know, I've made solid friends online. Some of my best friends, I met them on Twitter, on LinkedIn, you know, so uh, it's nice. It's amazing. The barriers and the barriers that the access to the world, you know, that it breaks down. Yes. You know. So true. I see that we're already uh, nearing the end of the 30 minutes because yeah. that's the, the extent of time I, I may take for this podcast. And since we're already at this topic, um, I would like to ask you my final question. And that is, 
if you think about, you know, like a young woman setting out on the path uh, that you went on, what would you recommend to her? What would your tip be or, you know, what would you give her as advice? I'm going to say the person should uh, bet on themselves. There's no reason why you should not take that bet on yourself, why you should not try something you want to try. And that um, uh, there's no big deal in failure. I understand that it can be heartbreaking. But there's no big deal in failure. For your first job, you may have to apply to up to 100 rows. That's what I, I, I recommend for people. Like, you know, mm -hmm. just be knocking the door and be upset with mastery. Uh, you know, despite how difficult the world is, you know, you're, you know, just be upset with mastery. Let it be known that at your craft, you are one of the best at it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you should just own it. It's not really your fault if, uh, you know, just own it. I understand the temptation to want to play small. I want understand the temptation to, you know, just, you know, I'll, I'll say I, I'll, of course, I've mentored people. I've been many people's first managers mm -hmm. <laughs> and things like that. But, but I'm going to say, you know, be great at what you do and, yeah. then, you know, shamelessly share your work. You don't have to share your private life, but. Mm -hmm. for some reason share your work talk about your work be an expert mm -hmm. you know it's uh, it's important and it's life-changing yes yeah, such good advice I mean first believe in yourself share your brand so people know what you're about and don't be afraid of failure you only fail if you stop you know so if as long as you get up again and try again you haven't failed yet right yeah well sometimes you failed truly in that particular case but at least you know don't don't stop betting on yourself yeah. you know I always have that going for me at least I'll give it a shot and if I don't get it it's okay now I'll apply yeah. for other things something else <laughs> thank you so much for your story and your wisdom it was great having you on the podcast thank you yeah that's okay have a great day you too